0: How to be a Twinkie in a ding-dong world. It always sounds so good until you say it. Well, following that, we are going to continue in our sermon series. (laughs) We are two years into here, going through the Gospel of Luke, studying and investigating and coming to an understanding about this man who is God. And uh, I'm going to share with you, I, I thought about when I was preparing, and you know we were gone, we were, we'd gotten away, and let me say thank you for the opportunity to get away. I was so nice to be able to get to a, a quiet place like that. Thank you all for the privilege of being able to do that. Thank you, Pastor Trevor, for stepping in and uh, bringing an amazing message, uh, a message I know that blessed many, many of you, and uh, thank you for that. Amen. 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 Um, but I, 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 in going through this series, I decided not to, you know, I wasn't going to do something specifically Father's Day because it should all relate to fathers and therefore it, every week's the Father's Day message. But I was getting ready for this and I was going through the scripture and I'll share the scripture here in a moment. It was, it's a simple scripture. It's something that's really, you know, easy. It's something I'm, uh, you know... Man, is, I'll just take a week, just kind of go through this and go through it quickly and have it over and done. And, and God just continued to speak to me about different things and different things that were going in. And so when I left, I had already kind of outlined some things I wanted to talk about and, and some things that I was ready to, to share on in this scripture. And uh, the, we, were, we left on Sunday afternoon. Well, that Saturday, somebody had, I was reading this thing and somebody had mentioned a book. And I thought, oh, you know what? That sounds good. I had like three books I was going to take with me. And, uh, and I had decided I was going to just download this book. I didn't have time to get the book, so I thought I'll just download it and um, if I get a chance, I'll do it. And, I, and it just kept piquing my interest and, and so we were there and, and we were at the cabin and, and where we always go and uh, I pulled out my iPad and I opened up the, uh, that book and I thought I'm just going to read the introduction. And it was like, oh my goodness this is like this is exa- This is like filling in my outline this is exactly what I, I had no idea the, the, what the theme of the whole book would be or that they would have anything to do with what my message was but they just kind of came together and I really felt God just really speaking to my heart about this scripture and in this scripture I do believe this church I believe that God will if you will receive in the simplicity of what I'm going to share with you today if you will receive this as something as a word from God this can change your life come on amen I mean are anybody excited about God changing our life God blessing our life God pouring into our life God giving and doing what only he can in our life and I believe that God can do that because again he's using this in the in my life in a process and I'll share this with you this process that I'm in to, to honestly to be godly in my life Godly in my lifestyle. God bless you. Oh man, you'll have to forgive me. This weekend, we, we went away and then Saturday, yesterday, I woke up with allergies like I have never had before. I mean... My, my eyes were watering, my eyes were burning. I couldn't read, I couldn't go through my message because I, I, my eyes were on fire. I slept for I don't know how many hours during the day and it was just, I mean, it was horrible. Then I, you know, I'm taking all this stuff, trying to get rid of it all and trying to clear up and, and this morning, God bless you. <laughs> There's the sermon. <clears throat> God bless you. And, um, and I, I got up this morning, and, and I, the, it's so weird. This is just, I guess, part of what my subconscious was doing. But I found myself this morning, I woke up, and it was like, oh, man, I feel good. I feel, I, you know what, I'm not sneezing. My eyes aren't, I felt good. And I found myself kind of walking around like this. And I thought, after a little bit, I thought, what am I doing? And I realized, you know, you, remember, you know what it's like when you sprain your ankle, and all of a sudden you get up and your ankle's feeling better? Just walk real careful. Well, I was walking around this morning being really careful not to suck in any pollen. I was just moving real, anyway. Because it was miserable. And there's nothing more miserable, for, especially for a pastor, than to have to sit in the pulpit with allergies going on. And you guys listening to me, you know, all the snuffing and, the snuffing and, and, and sneezing all over everything. And, and then having to blow my nose and you having to listen to it on the microphone. Not knowing if I got it all out of my mustache or not. It's like a a pastor nightmare. Oh come on, you know it's gross, but it's true. You're all looking at me. Somebody tell him. (laughs) So we're just gonna roll with it. I know I know. Look at they're all all of you are like having a hard time even looking at me now. All right, we're gonna go through this. Luke chapter four, verse 42 through 44. We're just gonna look at these few scriptures. Verse 42 says this, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Come on, church, just thank him for his word. Lord, your word changes our life. And Lord, you're using your word even now. Before I say a word, your word is changing hearts and lives even now. As your word has gone out, you said not one would fall to the ground idle. That you would do exactly what you intended before the beginnings of time. And today I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would administer this word into the hearts and lives of each one that's in need. That you would take the word and that you would help us to rightly divide it so that we could, Father God, see our lives transformed unto the image of our God our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. So today, let me start by saying this. Christianity is a belief system. Amen? Amen. And a lifestyle. It is both. It is, a, it is a belief system and a lifestyle. But for many people in the church... For many people in the Word of God, Matthew 7, I believe this is part of what he's describing in Matthew 7, is there are many people in the church who have simply allowed Christianity to be a part of the belief system. It's something simply that we believe in. Oh yeah, I believe in God. Yes, I believe that He is God. I believe in Jesus. I believe He died for my sins. I believe that I am forgiven. And you will find me at home sitting in my rocking chair leafing through my Facebook page but christianity has got to be more than that it's got to be more than that christianity is a belief system that forms my lifestyle it is something that makes my lifestyle because it needs to be both we can't without a belief system listen without a belief system we i mean everybody has a lifestyle and our belief system is what forms that lifestyle what you're living in you may think i'm not sure what i believe well you know what you may not but what you believe is what's forming your lifestyle oftentimes we let our lifestyles just flow but in christianity god has called us to take hold of those places in our life and make them be conformed unto the image of christ so christianity is a belief system and it becomes a lifestyle a christianity is that that point a lifestyle that says get up out of your chair Get up out of the rocker and turn off the TV. It should be in us, something that causes us to stand up and say, you know what, I'm a Christian now. It's my belief system, therefore my lifestyle. I'm going to stand up, I'm going to reorder my budget. I'm going to rethink my schedule. It I'm going to stand up and begin to lead my family. I'm going to begin to stand up and lead my family into spiritual disciplines. I'm going to bless my home. I'm going to pray for my kids. And I'm going to lead them into a life that's centered around Jesus Christ. It means that I'm going to stand up and change things. My life will center around Jesus. And we as a family, me as a man, me as an individual, I'm going to begin to do things for Jesus. I'm going to begin to do things with Jesus because Jesus loves me. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what we're going to look at today. You know, Jesus Christ is our... our, We're supposed to look to him to see how it is that God wants us to live. And we're going to look at the lifestyle of Jesus. We certainly understand and know his belief system, but the belief system that Jesus has is something that was conforming or or makes his lifestyle here on this earth. So we need to look at at these questions and find the answers. How did Jesus live? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus give himself to? What is it that that means to me? So I want you to look at that and to look at those questions as we walk through this. Now, we've been talking, going through for quite a while in in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 is really the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. It's when Jesus really begins to step out. He's now entered into the synagogue, and he's gone to the uh, the house of God. He's, He's begun to minister. And Jesus just came out of what is an absolutely amazing, huge ministry day. All right? And so my point, the first one, is this. Pour yourself out in ministry. Amen. Good point, Pastor Mark. Pour yourself out in ministry. I don't even know what that means. Good, then let's talk about that. (laughs) What does that mean? Listen, you know, we think of the ministry and it's like, well, I got it. What can I do at the church? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your ministry. You are a minister of the gospel. If you are born again, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has given each and every one of you a pulpit. He has given each and every one of you a place to preach, a place to teach. And it's called your job. I know. Well, my job won't let me talk about things like that. Hey, the the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they didn't want Jesus to talk about it either. I can tell this is gonna be a rough day, huh? (laughs) Listen, this is the truth. We live in a world, sometimes, you know, people think, oh, you know, we start looking at the gospel, and oh, we're gonna go backwards? Well, what do you wanna do? You wanna keep going forward? We're headed towards the days of Noah. Things aren't getting better. Listen, just because it's called progressivism, it doesn't mean we're progressing. We are in a place of steady decline, coming towards what will be the end time. All right, and and so we are in this dead, dark, decaying world, and everything in this world, church, everything in this world will encourage you and it will encourage you to worship, it will encourage you to adore, it will encourage you to idolize, it will encourage you to serve, it will encourage you to love yourself. All about you. You know, every, and I believe that most people, except for you guys are the exception, okay? Most people, except for you. I believe most people get up and have church every morning. They get up and they go to the mirror and they look at the God in the mirror and they say, what can I do to serve you today? What can I do to make sure that you, God, get everything that you want today? And then, when it doesn't happen, we go into depression, anxiety, grief, and sadness. Why? Because we can't work hard enough to please the God in that mirror. We can't work hard enough to change the God in the mirror. And when we can't do that, we become depressed, and we become down, and we become cast out because we failed the God in the mirror, and every day we have to look at that. And I'm going to share with you today, God is sharing with us in the simple scriptures the way out. How many of you want to find a way out of depression, the way out of our anxiety, the way out of so many things that want to create this narcissistic life that we live? Amen. Amen. This is the way out. To write it down. Get out your pencil. Or go to your notes in your app. I always write. James is always on the app, so you guys go to the app. It's in the app. There we go. Yep. Wave your app around. It'll have the answers in there for you, or you'll have to put the answers in there. This is the answer, though. Love of God and serving others. That means that no longer does the little G God in the mirror get to rule your life anymore. Because my life is not about that little G God. It's about my Father God. And I'm going to live a life that shows my love for him. And I'm going to do that by serving those he died for. Because church, listen, if your life is all about you, it's no wonder you're depressed. You're you're living your life with the total wrong purpose. Totally wrong purpose. It's no wonder you've got anxiety. Because you're wasting your whole life. You need to give your life to that in which Jesus Christ gave his life to. As our example, what did Jesus give his life to? He gave his life to the glory of God and serving others. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ laid down his life for the glory of God and for serving others? Come on, you're here today. If you're saved, it's because Jesus lived a life to the glory of God and serving you. He did that for you. He laid down his life for you, to serve you. Do you think that Jesus, if there were mirrors at that point, looked in the mirror and thought, how can I serve that flesh? We wouldn't have salvation. And what we see in Jesus is Jesus pouring himself out in ministry. In church, real ministry is exhausting. Come on, you guys, you know what? Real ministry is exhausting. Look at what Jesus is going through here in Luke chapter 4, just in that part. He's gone to Nazareth, and he's preached, and he's taught, and then the people didn't like what he was preaching and teaching, and they drug him out, and they wanted to throw him off the cliff. They wanted to kill him. It's exhausting trying to be killed. (laughs) Okay, that will just take the life out of you. (laughs) And so Jesus, he gets out of that and he goes to Capernaum and he's in Capernaum and he's teaching and he's preaching in the synagogues and he, he, let me tell you, that alone is exhausting. I I don't know, I don't know whether these things are true. I've just read it so many times that I've said it, you know, but they say, they say that preaching an hour, so I'm going to do my best to give you your money's worth today. They say that preaching an hour is the equivalent of a typical 8-hour day at a typical job. So, it's exhausting. I mean, I'll tell you, if you use put any kind of oomph into it, man, it sucks the life out of you. I go home I go home on Sundays and man, I am just exhausted. And I I don't know, you know, if it's because this is true or I'm just a wimp. But it's exhausting, and it's work. And so Jesus preaches. And again, before I go on, let me say this. Your ministry will exhaust you. And if you're not being exhausted by your ministry, you are probably not ministering. Uh-oh. Come on, guys, stay with me here. We gotta listen. Preaching, ministering the gospel—you've got a call on your life. God has given you a pulpit; it will exhaust you. And if that's—and again, in your family, you minister to your family; it will exhaust you. They will exhaust you. If we're ministering, there should be questions. There should be things that are going on. It will exhaust you. Well, Jesus is preaching and he's teaching. And if that's not exhausting enough, he's got now all these people that are coming and now they're starting to ask him questions. Well, why? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? And these people are coming and they've got prayer requests and they've got needs in their life. They've got issues that are going on in their life. Some of them are really difficult issues and they all wanna get close and they all wanna to come to Jesus. They all wanna to talk to Jesus. So Jesus, being the absolute best pastor, he's he's there and he's talking to them. He's ministering to them. He's out there meeting the people, talking to the people. He's praying for them. He's encouraging these people. He's, his life. he's going to give his life for them and he's there to serve them and that's what he's doing. And then all of a sudden, in the crowd, this demonized guy rises up. Well, let me tell you, that's exhausting. Amen. When the demons show up, it's exhausting. It's difficult dealing with that demonic kind of outburst, that demonic kind of pos- uh, 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 possession of, in people, that, that, just that just that demonic oppression, the presence. It's a big deal, and it, it is exhausting. But this is what Jesus does, and so Jesus, he in this moment, he casts the demon out. Well, church, that's exhausting. But then what happens? Can you imagine what it was like in church when Jesus in church casts the demon out? More people wanting to ask more questions we got to find out about this. And so now more people are coming around Jesus, and they're asking Jesus all of these questions because this was a public event. And so these people are coming around. And so what it says is that to get a little bit of a break, I'm sure that they were tired, exhausted, and to get a little bit of a break, they're going to go to Peter's house. And so they go to Peter's house, probably because, you know, it was after church, and it was lunchtime. Let's go get something to eat and get a little bit of downtime. And they go into Peter's house, and do they get that? No, they don't. They go there and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Nobody has fixed any lunch. Nobody has any food for him. Everybody's just in an uproar because she's got this high fever and they don't know whether it's just an illness or whether there's a spiritual force in the house. They don't know what's going on in this whole thing. Is this just a fever? Is this a curse? And going through all that stuff. And Jesus walks in. Oh, do we ask him? Should we ask him? And Jesus comes and he comes to her and he heals her. Now again, it makes it sound so simple in Scripture, but this is exhausting to the flesh. And so he goes through this, and then the word gets out. Hey, this guy, he preaches. He teaches like no one we've ever heard. He casts out demons, and they go. He heals the sick. Doesn't even charge a copay. All of a sudden, everybody and their brother's coming now. I mean, the word has got out. Now Peter's house is just totally, I mean, surrounded with people that are coming. And they'd be like, we we got a need. I need help. I I need this, and I need that, and and I'm sick, and I've got bunions. Can you help me? All these different things and all these different places. Hey, she's got a demon. No, he's got a demon. No, she's got a demon. No, he's got a demon. Imagine all the couples that were coming. Fix this guy. Will you fix her? Help! Jesus, we need you. And and again, he doesn't even have time for a nap. I mean, this is after Sabbath time. This is nap time. He doesn't even get a nap. Everybody's coming. Everybody's pulling on him. Everybody has a need. And it's exhausting. And then the things that were being brought. Let me tell you, church, and I'm, I'm gonna share some things with you today because I, I wanna be able to be open and be vulnerable, not condemning or anything like that. So don't, if you take that, in, a, in a, anything that I say in a condemning way, you've taken it out of the context of my heart. I love you and God has privileged me with the privilege of being your pastor, of being a shepherd in your life, of being somebody that's here to help in a time of need, somebody that you can call upon when you need something. And it is my privilege to be that. But you have no idea how devastating it can be to walk through things that some of people are walking through. Some of the hurts and some of the pains and some of the things that people are going through, some of the hurts and pains that you're going through are absolutely overwhelming. And, And you have no idea what I, as pastor, deal with. You have no idea the weight of that, the burden of some of that. People that will come and just absolutely, and I love this, this part. People will come and absolutely pour their heart out. People will talk to me about things that they've never talked to anybody about. Yeah. Share their heart, share their burdens and deal with things. But church, you have no idea how heavy that can be to carry those burdens at times. I'm gonna share with you some things, some real life things that people have said. And I wanna say this, this is nobody, I'm not using a single example from anybody here in the church. Okay, these are things that, that were said to me either back in the ministry where I was before, people at altar calls that had said things before, counseling at the jail, counseling in different places, but just some of the things that people have gone through and shared, things that people are actually going through. Some of it may sound familiar to some of you. I'm saying this because I don't want anybody to think I'm sharing your dirty laundry in in public. So this has nothing to do with anybody here. Amen? Amen? But I have had to deal with and I have to live with some of these things that are said. I had one young lady come and tell me how she as a little girl had been repeatedly raped over a long period of her life. Repeatedly raped. And then as she started to open up, she said, embarrassed. She said, it was by my dad. And then she went on to tell me how her dad then invited his friends to have their way. How does a little girl live with that? How does somebody who cares for that little girl Deal with that. I've had people that have come and told me about terrible cases of molestation. I've had people that have come to me and told me how they committed molestation. I've had people come and tell me about the serious kind of abuse that they've had to deal with at the hands of people that they shouldn't. I've had people that have come and told me how they were addicted to child pornography. What do you do with that? I had a guy at an altar call come and say, listen, my wife's in the bathroom. I have a girlfriend. She doesn't know it. What do I do? A newly converted guy that gave his heart to Jesus came up at one point and said, listen, I don't know what to do. I just gave my heart to Christ, and I'm in a gay relationship, and my gay boyfriend doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. What do I do? i cheated on my wife, and now my girlfriend's pregnant. I have STDs, and my fiance doesn't know. Should I tell her? I actually and more than once, I've had people that have said, "Listen and again, I know this is disgusting, but it's, it's in the Bible. I committed bestiality. Can I be forgiven? What do you say? What do you do with that? Like really, are you going, and church, each and every one, people going through some horrific things in their lives and each one of these people that I'm talking about are more than the experience that they had. They are people that Jesus died for, every one of them. How do you minister to that? How do you sleep after trying to deal with that? It's like, okay, you know, no big deal. Okay, let's deal with this and let's pray about that and let's go on with this and let me then go home because I got to prepare for my sermon because the church wants my best sermon every week. So I got to go home and I got to get myself ready for the sermon. Then I'm going to go preach and then it's going to create more questions and more needs and more things in people's lives. And they'll come and they'll begin to talk to me about these things and share things that I honestly at times they need to share but I don't always want to know. so that I can go home and start to get prepared for the next sermon. Do you realize that after every Sunday is a Monday? After every Sunday is a Monday where I start having to get ready to get my best sermon ever prepared for next week. And in the midst of it all, there's all of these things. It's like, seriously, I was just, ha- it's, like, I, it's like, at th- times it's like, you know what? I'm just going to tell Jesus hi for you because at this rate with all this going on, I don't know how soon I'm going to be meeting him because <laughs> there's times it feels like it's sooner than later. And I, and church, listen, That's ministry. That's ministry. And each and every one of you are called to minister. You're called to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bring the life of God, the hope of God, the will of God to a broken world that's filled with that kind of devastation. Because the sad reality, church, is this, that there are many of you sitting in this place today that on the outside you're sitting there calm and collected, that on the inside you're being torn apart because you relate way too closely to what I just said. God wants you to be able to trust and to be able to reach out. The Bible says we're supposed to be expressing our sins to one another. Praying for one another. And you are called, church, you are called to be that light. You are called to preach in your ministry. You are called to teach in your ministry. You are called to pour yourself out in your ministry. This is not just me. This is everyone. My, listen, I don't have a better ministry than you. I have a different ministry than you. This is just the ministry that God has called me to. You're in the ministry that God has called you to, and he's called you to preach, he's called you to teach, he's called you to reach out. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Listen, our life is to be all to the glory of God and serving others. Again, just Some of us need to begin to rebuke what we see as the God in the mirror Amen. and start to realize it does not have power or authority over me. Amen. In fact, it's not even a God. Amen. When you look in the mirror, what you'll see is a creation, something created by God. Amen? Amen? So this is where Jesus is. Now again, I share all that because Jesus was going through, Jesus was God in the flesh. He he went through all these things. If I go through these things, Jesus understands because he went through it. And so Jesus is working, he's working hard, he's pouring himself out. And then listen listen to what he does. My second point is that he goes into a time of rest and recovery. He goes to rest and recover in solitude. And This is one of those things that, you know, Joni and I, we just got back from. Thank you all for the opportunity to be able to get away. Um, I'm not gonna be apologetic about that, about getting away. In fact, I'll tell you right now. Um, at, because I'm taking the sermon that I'm sharing with you to heart and have been making changes, but I'm continually going to be making changes in my life because I want to be more aligned with what Jesus and who Jesus is and church. I want you to have a better version of Mark. Amen. And, and I don't know if that's clapworthy, but. Listen, Joni and I just got back. Joni and I, we, you know, we were thinking about this as we were gone and as I was getting ready. You know, we, we really don't take, and again, don't take this wrong, we don't really take vacations. We, we have, been, you know, vacation where we plan this big event and go off and, you know, go do something. I think in the last 13 years, I'm not sure, and I know there's other things we've gone and done, but in the last, we've gone on two cruises, hated both of them, First one we thought was a fluke, because everybody braves about these cruises. And so we went on another one, and, and, and we got a, a, a room with a balcony. You know, this little tiny balcony with these really uncomfortable chairs. And we spent more time out there on that little uncomfortable balcony than anywhere else, going, I, I, there's nowhere else I want to go. Well, this is kind of dumb, why go someplace to sit alone in solitude and recover in an uncomfortable place because they don't make the rooms for being in? Well, we don't go away to vacation like that. We go for rest. We go to recover in solitude. That's all that's what I want. That's what we need. And so do you. You do. Each one of you, we need this and I need to try. I have to be better at this. I try to put this into my schedule on a weekly basis where I get some time where I can just set it apart in solitude, a time to just be still, a time to just go apart and not have anybody around. And I think that it's biblical for us. Jesus in verse 42, he says, and when it was day, he departed and went where? To a desolate place. He gets up early and he goes out when everybody else is asleep and he leaves everybody behind. He's like, I'm gone, I'm out of here, I gotta go somewhere else. And I'm sure the people were like, well, how rude. Now he's got this big mega ministry and nobody can get a hold of him anymore. He's become so unaccessible. I, I thought about that because, you know, with, with the iPhones and the apps and all that. I mean, can you imagine in that day, they'd all be downloading their Where's Jesus app, <laughs> trying to track him down and find him, and where is he? But Jesus is like, i got to get out of here. i got to get a break. I need to go somewhere else. And church, listen, it's not because he doesn't love people. Amen. It is because he does love people. It isn't because he doesn't care about their needs and their problems. It's because he does care about their needs and their problems. It's not because he doesn't deem their needs real. He knows they're real. And he knows they need something more. He knows they need that. They need him to be filled up. He needs to know what his purpose is. He needs to know what he's doing. Because listen, Jesus, he's, he's God, fully God, but he's fully man. When he was here on this earth, he could only be one place at a time. So there was times when Jesus had to go, hopefully be alone, and find the bathroom. I mean, come on, right? There had to be times when Jesus would at some point set himself apart to get something to eat. And there had to be times when Jesus knew the need to set himself apart so that he could find some rest. A time to rest. So ministry, what Jesus did, he pours himself out. He pours his life out in in ministry, in the ministry that he's in. And he pours himself out until what? Until his tank is empty. And when his tank is empty, what does he do? He goes to the Father to get it filled up. You know what? There's just way too many Christians today running on empty. Running on empty, just running on sheer will, running on sheer flesh, running on what we can run on. And you know what? It's not enough. We don't have it within us to do it. It creates in us nothing more than a sense of failure. Jesus goes to spend time in rest and and recover in solitude. And I will say this. You have no business enjoying restful solitude until you've poured yourself out in ministry. Okay, and again, you know I'm not talking about just standing in a pulpit or ministering to the children in kids' church. I'm talking about the ministry that God has right where you are in whatever place he has put you because God put you there to minister. That job is not for your provision. It's for your ministry. God says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, he can do whatever he wants to bring your provision. He's called you to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And until we're pouring ourselves out, how can we really take part in a gift, the gift that God has given for those who pour themselves out in ministry? That's the way it works. Now again, let me just define a little bit about solitude because we can get confused in that. There are some of you who are thinking, oh man, I am so godly. I'm filled with solitude. But we have to understand what solitude is. Solitude, and I'm going to describe it this way. Solitude is fasting. Now, when you fast food, you don't fast food because you don't like it. You don't fast food because you don't care about it. You fast food because you want to make a stand in your life that I want the food that God has more than I want the food amen. that I can eat. Yes, amen. I want, this is, I, I, I love food. And I will fast food because there's points in times when I need from God more than I need the food that this flesh craves. Yeah. And so, so this time of solitude is when we make this decision to fast people, not because we don't like them, not because they make us sick, not because we're sick and tired of them. No, we, we, honestly, that's the feeling that comes when you're not spending time in solitude. And you're just running on empty to the point where you hate everybody, can't stand everybody, they're all just jerks. You hate the church, and, and oftentimes you hate the church because you're out of balance. You haven't put into yourself anything, and you're running on empty and wondering, what's wrong with everyone else? Yeah. Maybe it's not everybody else. Yeah. Maybe, maybe everyone else isn't the jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Fasting people, it's taking time, it's fasting the crowds. It's saying, I Lord, I love these people. I love those you've given me to serve. I love those that are around me, and I love them so much that I am gonna put them aside and I'm gonna go to you because Lord, they need a word. They need a word from you, and you've put me in their lives, you put me around them, you've put me in that place, you put me in that job so that I would go to you and I'd get a word from you because those people need a word from you. They don't need an empty mark, they need a filled-up mark, and the only way mark Mark's going to get filled up is by going to God the Father and spending some time in rest and solitude and getting that refilling so that you all can have a word from God. Amen. You should be sick of a word from Mark. The people at your work site they need that. It's fasting, all of those things. But let me tell you, solitude—solitude solitude is a routine. It is not a lifestyle. Okay, it's not. If your whole life is all about silence and solitude and quiet and fasting and journaling and resting and refreshing, church, you're just lazy. (laughs) Okay, you're bumming it. That's it. Jesus loves you, but the rest of us are struggling. Yeah. Yeah, the field is ripe under the harvest. The workers are few. Where are they? sitting at home in solitude get up you're not doing it and we've bought in this whole american myth i just want to make enough money i just want to earn enough money so that i can get to the place where i don't have to do anything anymore where i can just retire and then expire god doesn't want you to retire and expire he wants you to retire and refire Come on, you may quit your job, but you can't quit your ministry. You're a Christian. Amen. Your life is ministry. It is to be your lifestyle. We've bought into this myth, though, that says, okay, you know what? I'm just going just gonna, to you know, make enough money so that I can quit doing everything and then just sit at home and do nothing. Church, the problem is one day, Again, you can interpret this the way you want, but one day you're going to stand before Jesus and and possibly take a beating because you were supposed to use your life. You were supposed to give your life. You were supposed to work work and do what I have called you to do because of the glory that I put in your life. You were supposed to serve me passionately. Look at the parable of the talents. Read through the story. The master wasn't happy with the guy who had a talent and was lazy with it. Well, I just want to get to the place where I don't have to do anything. Let me tell you, I I looked. If you can find something, please share it with me. But I looked. Do you know the Bible does not encourage our American dream? (laughs) In the Bible, there's no retirement in the Bible. Do you know what else I couldn't find? I couldn't find any place where the Bible talks about vacation. It doesn't. Well, I know. Well, you're taking that. The Bible does talk about you know work for six days and then there's the Sabbath and it talks about the Sabbath. Well, if you want to get legalistic about it, take a look at what it was that the Bible says you can't do on Sabbath. You'll have a hard time golfing if you can't raise your arms above your head, your your shoulders. Okay, I mean, you will. You'll have a hard time. Anyway, God has called us to give your life away, to pour your life out, and then to take Sabbath and have solitude and find rest and refreshment so that you can have a gift that God has poured out to you for those who God gives to you to pour out to. And, church, that's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. A lifestyle of, Lord, I'm just going to spend my day emptying my God bucket. I'm just going to empty it out, and then I'm going to go get with God, and I'm going to spend some time with Him, and He's going to fill my bucket back up. Why? So I can go out tomorrow and empty it out again. Praise God for what he's given me. And that's what life is. That's the way it works in Christianity. And this is church, this is true whether you are paid or whether you are unpaid, whatever your vocation is, this is what God has called you to because this isn't a paid vocation lifestyle. This is a follow me lifestyle. And that is what he has called us to. Now, again, this is a lot easier for those of you who are uh, contemplatives than it will be for those who are activists. Because again, I I see two kinds of people and two different forms of spiritual discipline. There's the contemplatives, who are the the thinkers and the feelers and the ponderers and the considerers. And then there is the activists. The contemplatives are those who, that silence and solitude, you you know, if you're a contemplative, you're like, oh, I love that. That is so wonderful, that times of prayer and fasting and journaling and all those things. I love that. And if you're an activist, you're like, what? Are you kidding? Because you are a do, 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 doer. Contemplative lives in their heart and they live in their mind. The activist lives in their hands and their feet. Get it done. people. Let's go. Let's get going. We got things to do. We got people to save. There's people that are dying and going to hell. Don't you guys care? Come on. We got to get out there. We got to move. There's evangelism. We got to go on a missions trip. We got to be out there putting a roof on. You know, the, the difference is that the activist is the activist is go, 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 go. And they don't take the time to fill up. So the activist is the guy who's out there working on the widow's roof. And he's mad at the widow because she fixes the wrong thing for lunch. Because He's empty. He's empty because he's go, 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 go. Because if you're an activist, being a contemplative is really hard. Wait a minute. There's people to see. I got to do this. I got to go there. I got to help this. I got to help that one. People are going to hell. Don't you care? There's work to be done. But if you're one of those activists, you got to know this, that you need to like Jesus. You got to say, no, no, no. I got to go get my bucket full. I gotta go get refilled. Otherwise, I am not gonna be any good to that widow that God's called me to minister to. I'm gonna be mad, I'm gonna be short, I'm gonna be disappointed because it didn't go my way. She didn't pat me on the back the way I thought that she should. Pastor didn't announce it. Look, in church, those times, you gotta schedule it you got to make it happen. you got to plan it. you got to see it as important. you got to p- protect it. Why do you think it's so hard to find those times to do that? Why does the enemy want to take those times away? Because he knows how important it is. Amen. So if you're a do, 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 let me tell you what will happen. You're going to burn out. Yep. You're going to burn out and find yourself in a place of depression. How can I be in depression? I'm a Christian. Because you're burned out. You haven't taken the opportunity to fill yourself back up. And you're running on empty all the time. You're sucking fumes. And your life is getting all the crud, the residue that's coming from the bottom of the tank. And church, at some point, you will get sick and tired of living from the bottom of the tank. You gotta schedule it. You gotta make it happen or you're gonna burn out. And when you're burned out, you'll find you're always frustrated. Always frustrated with those people, I'm always anxious, and, and you'll find that you're ineffective, and you literally have got to block that time out. Go to the mountain, turn off your laptop. turn here's one. Turn off your cell phone. Get a break. Go spend some time with Jesus and pray, specifically setting your time apart. Going out and getting your bucket refilled, getting your Bible open, sending some time in worship, some time in praise, some time just, just you and Jesus. Amen. And those of you contemplatives, you do that way too much. You, you do, you do that way too much. You're always thinking about what should be done. You know, it's wild. It's the contemplatives always come and tell me what the church should be doing. Great. You're in charge. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I wasn't, I'm not, not, never mind. No, no, because contemplatives are in their mind. No, I'm the idea person. I come up with all the ideas, all the things that I think about that you could do. They're the ones that are writing the really nice blogs about everything that the church should be, everything the church should be doing, and how they declare that out there on Instaville, that that's what everybody out there should be doing. Oh, they're not doing it. Let me add a scripture to it. But not doing anything. You contemplatives, you got to get up and put your book down. Get up and get out there. Faith without deeds is dead. You got to get up. Listen, you, those things that I explained to you, you heard that. You felt the emotion of those people that have opened up their hearts to me. You felt some of that. But let me tell you, that, I mean, it's like the, me sharing that with you. The difference is like you watching a fire on TV compared to being in front of a fire outside. The difference between what I shared with you and me experiencing that. Listen, you can't experience that in a book. You need to get out of your book and get involved in people's lives. Begin to reach out and begin to help them. Begin to go out there into this world because you'll never see a lost, dying, hurting, decaying world from your book. Get up, get out. It's time, it's time to exchange the book for some boots. It's time to get out and get to work. It's time to get out of the bleachers and at least get on the sidelines. Begin to do something in the ministry that God has called you to because he's called you to participate. He's called you to be a part of the game. He's called you to get in, and that's the way that it works. You go to action. You empty yourself out, and then you take a time to replenish yourself. Why? So you can go back into action. I mean, we've emptied ourselves out. Many people, we've emptied ourselves out, emptied ourselves out, and we go into this time and we get replenished and we find that, oh, that's so good. I don't ever want to go through that again. Until the bucket gets stale and stagnant, loses its value. God didn't make it for you to hoard it. He, gave, made, he did the, that fills your bucket so you can pour it out. Thank you, Lord. Contemplatives are spending too much time doing the resting, the chilling, the not doing those things. It's too much, don't take this wrong, too much Jesus time. Jesus time is supposed to be to encourage us to go out there and do the works that he's called us to do. And you activists are doing the works and you're not spending time with Jesus. And so the activists, the, the typical activist, which again, many, many churches are run by activists because that's how things get done. But your typical activist isn't taking time to go to Jesus and therefore they're people-pleasing. They're just trying to do what everybody says, what everybody wants, what everybody thinks they should do. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't give in to that? I'm gonna minister that next week and talk to you about that. But if you're an activist, you gotta schedule it. You gotta get this in. And this is different than isolation, church. Let me just say this. Some of you think I'm in good shape because I spend so much time alone. Isolation is different than solitude. Solitude is a good thing. Isolation is a bad thing. Let me just share with you this difference. And this this is what I'd say in all this stuff I was talking about in the book uh, that I was reading. It said this. Solitude is a chosen separation for the refining of your soul. Amen? Amen. So solitude is a chosen separation for the refining of your soul. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect solitude. Amen? Isolation is where, you know, I don't... If you're single, I don't want a roommate. I don't want anybody else in my life. I don't want anybody to know my business if you're married, it's like, I don't want to have those heart-to-heart conversations. I don't want to open up with my family. I don't want to open up with people. And I don't want to go to life group. And I don't want to be a part of a life group. I don't want to be a member of the church. I just want to attend the church. I just want to walk in and walk out and not have to worry about anything. I don't want anybody in my business. That's isolation. And that equals danger. Solitude is different. Solitude is this. Solitude is you're in your life group and you're in your church and you're serving and you're helping and you're doing your job. You're going to work. You're going to school. You're pouring out your life. You're sharing your life. And then occasionally you take the time to withdraw and you pull away so that you can enjoy the other disciplines. Rest, prayer, Bible study, worshiping, journaling, making yourself Enjoy the contemplative side of things. And then quickly, I'll go through these three things that will kill solitude. Now, again, don't take offense to any of these things, but these are things that, if we will allow them to, they will destroy your solitude. And first is those people. Those people. Jesus had those people. Does that mean Jesus doesn't love those people? No, there's nobody that Jesus doesn't love. Luke just told us about that. The crowds came to Jesus. Jesus needed some time of solitude. What did the crowds do? They kept following him. They sent, I mean, it was like they were sending out search parties. Go find Jesus. Go find where he is. Where's Jesus? They wouldn't leave him alone. They had just had to be with him. They were those people. Joanie and I, we watched a movie. How many of you remember the old movie, What About Bob? Oh yeah, that's what those people will do. Somebody after first service said, "That's my." They're not those people. They're my kids. (laughs) Go to the bathroom and their fingers are under the door. Mommy, mommy. Daddy, daddy. (laughs) But it's like that. They're the. Honestly, they're. And again. Jesus loves these people, we love people that are going through these things, but they're people that are always needy, they're always demanding, always hurting, always in a crisis, always in an urgent place, and you have, help me, you're the only one that can help me, you're the only one that can help me, you're the only one that can save me, it's like, no, I'm not the savior, I'm not the deliverer, I'm a servant of the savior, you need to learn to go to him. But church, that's what people do. They're the ones who will call and then text and then email in the same minute. (laughs) Listen, uh, you know, and and, and it's like this, and I'm not making fun. I'm just saying that this is what really does happen. You're looking at your phone and and you get a phone call from somebody and you're like, oh, wow. And the truth is, I don't have time to answer because I know it's going to be a long conversation. You know, and and so I I can't answer. Not that I don't love them. Not that I don't care about them. Not that I, I mean, they're my friends. I love them. I mean, but I don't have time. You know what that's like? And so I let it go to voicemail. And then there's a voicemail. 10 seconds later, beep, beep, text message. Did you get my voicemail? (laughs) 30 seconds later, beep, beep, Email. Did you get my text message about the voicemail? (laughs) Only to look up and see him pulling up in front. God loves those people. You should love those people. I love those people. We can't let those people take away the rest and solitude and the renewal that we need in our spirit so that we have something to give them, so that we can speak the truth to them, so that we don't become their savior. And every social network has that that person, those people. Every life group, every social get-together does. And I know some of you are thinking, you know, well, Ours doesn't. (laughs) Sorry to tell you. (laughs) You're probably that person. It's teasing. Two, real quick. Not planning it. Not planning, it will kill your solitude. I mean, if you're just go, 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 and you don't plan the time, it will never come. And this is where, again, so many of us fall short. So many of us are going through our day empty because we aren't filling ourselves up in the morning. You don't schedule devotion time. You don't spend time alone with God in the morning to get yourself filled up. You need to be spending time, scheduling time. And I am, listen, I've had people leave the church over this comment, but I believe it and I stand by it. And if you wanna leave the church over this comment, then that's gonna be your choice. But in your time in the morning, I'm not talking about your commute time to and from your job. I'm talking about the time where you're not distracted with anything. The time where you get on your knees in the morning and say, Jesus, I just need you today. I'm going out into ministry and I'm headed into the place that you've called me. I'm gonna go stand in the pulpit that you've blessed me with. I'm gonna go to my job and Lord, they need you here. They need you so desperately in the place that I'm going. Help me to be the light. Help me to be that, that anchor. Help me to be that hope. Give me something, God. Give me a word. Help me to speak something into their life. God, I know you can fill me up in this day and I pray that by your word and I pray, Lord, by this time, of prayer by your holy spirit you would fill me up so that i have something to give in my ministry today but we're going into ministry disarmed and empty and wondering why we come home so exhausted with nothing to give our families because we're not filling ourselves up oh but i gotta sleep you know what? Maybe if we depended a little bit more on God's divine rest than we do our human rest, maybe we would find that he would be doing things a little bit differently in our lives. Amen. I know, this is one that's tough. You need to get up in the morning and do your devotions. Amen. And you need to make it happen. Come on, amen? amen. I, I know, and again, the... the the statistics are that I think it's seven percent. It's either four or seven percent. I, I don't remember right now. Uh, that read their Bible daily, Christians, evangelical Christians. So we need to change that. Yes, Get up. You need to schedule time on a weekly basis. You need to you need to schedule a couple of hours just to go ride, take a, go up into the mountains and go for a walk. Spend some time, God, just me and you. I'm, not ta- I'm talking about nothing more than just for the purpose of renewing myself, of just getting into a place where I refresh myself. God, purposing myself to do that. It doesn't happen by accident. It's setting that time apart on purpose weekly and then scheduling yourself on an extended basis, a weekend here or a weekend there. Listen, your wife will be a whole lot happier with you when you are a full person than an empty person that's given her all the leftover time. Joni can tell when I'm empty, and I can tell she knows. She says, you need to go away. So we got to schedule it make it happen you need to do that mark it out and I know I listen I'm not overlooking the fact that you got jobs and you got things you do and you've got a life group and you've got a ministry that you're involved in and you've got things that are happening you're married and you got kids and you're serving and you're you're trying to take care of that and, and it's and it's little league season and and soccer season is coming and all these things that are happening in my life Listen, unless you stop and say, I got to take some time on this day. I got to take some time here. And I'm going to schedule this time. I got to take a half day. I got to take a day. I got to take a couple of hours and I got to get away. I got to get some Jesus time. I got to go to the mountains. I got to go up there, not for the purpose of anything else. But I need you, Jesus. I need you to refill my bucket. I need you to come minister to my heart. If you don't do that, it will never happen. I'm telling you, this will change your life. Or not, depending on what you do with it. And the last thing is this, technology. Technology will tear apart your solitude. It will absolutely kill solitude. You know, you could go the rest of your life and through technology never be alone. I mean, do you realize this? That you are, we are no longer, any longer, I mean, we're not you could go the rest of your life and never be bored. You, I mean, we, we, drive, we drive down the street and we used to try to run the yellow light. Now people are trying to stop at the yellow light so I can check my phone. I mean, that's what we do. It's just, we just check our phone. We go do this, we go do that. And, I mean, we're just looking at all these things and then the light changes and we do that. And a lot of people, it doesn't really matter that you're driving or not. Uh Uh-uh, you know what? This drive is boring. Let me watch some YouTube. Come on, it's what people do. I mean, we got our laptops and Wi-Fi and satellite radio and Twitter and all. I mean, honestly, you know, your status on your Twitter account should say, I'm tweeting. (laughs) Because that's what we're doing most of the time. Spending time. Who's commented? Who's liked? Who's, who where do I got whose notifications are coming up? All these things we're going You realize that we go through life, we're never bored anymore. We, we, we never give time for God to speak to us. We're so inundated with technology. We don't, you know what we don't do anymore? We don't daydream. Because we don't have to. And so in our lives, we can be connected. Plugged in, communicating with others constantly to the neglect of God. You can go the rest of your life, this is not a challenge. You can go the rest of your life without hearing the voice of God because there's too much noise. You could go the rest of your life without talking to God because you're so busy talking to everybody else. So turn off your phone. It's a novel idea, but turn off your phone. Shut down the technology. Go somewhere and be alone with God. Calling out to him, asking him, fill me up, Lord. Taking time to read your Bible. Taking the time to repent. How about that? Just taking some time to spend in repentance. Journaling, writing down, worshiping. How about this? Go for a walk but go for a walk with the intention that I'm going to go out and I'm just going to enjoy God's creation. Amen. I just want to enjoy you, Lord. I just want to spend some time with you. I'm going to go for a walk so I can have some alone time with you, Father. And you know what? You will never do this without discipline. So two reasons why we should do this. One is Jesus did it. And two, church, you will die without it. You will spiritually die. Some of you are just walking dead. You spiritually died because you haven't renewed yourself, haven't renewed yourself, haven't filled yourself up, haven't filled yourself up. And I don't know what can motivate you more than that. Church, pour yourself out in ministry. Pour your life out in what Jesus died for you to pour yourself out in and use him as the example. He poured himself out and he did it to the glory of God and to the good of others. And when when your bucket is empty, pull back and get a break. Take a break. Get alone. And I'll be honest with you, and I'm gonna wrap this up. I know I've taken a long time. That's what you get the week after I've been gone. But I wanna share this with you because I was not very good at that. In fact, I'm still not very good at this. I'm trying to get better and better and better. But in my life, I had gotten to a point over the last few years here where stress had overrun my life. I I was filled with anxiety. And, you know, it's crazy how stress is something that can eat us up so violently inside while nothing shows on the outside. And I was at this place where I was just completely anxious. Every time I'd, I mean, everything made me anxious. I didn't even want to step up in the pulpit, but I had to. And the pressure that I felt and all of that. Standing up here wondering, while I'm preaching, wondering if you all can see my eye fluttering from anxiety. Because I felt like I was like this the whole time. And just the stress of all of the things that needed to happen and needed to go on. And honestly, church, I hit a wall. Just in myself. I don't know if it was noticeable or not in people, but it was certainly noticeable in me. It was noticeable in my health. It was noticeable in my attitude. The desires of my life. I I mean, everything was changing. I never came so close to wanting to quit the ministry. And I had to make some changes. And I'm still in the process of making some of these changes. I, I had to learn in my life that I have to, one way or another, purpose myself to find a rhythm of silence. To find a time when I can separate and put things away and separate myself to find some silence so that I can get some God time in my life. To find solitude. And and I, again, I'm getting better at it. But I also found that I had to change my diet. I was eating myself into a coma. You know, I just was just garbage in and therefore garbage out. I had to start exercising because I wanted to be the best I could be because I believe that you deserve the best I can be. And when I can give you the best I can be, I can go and be alone with God and then receive God and you can then get the best that God can be through me. But I was on this crash course. I mean, I I was diagnosed pre-diabetic I was on my way. I, that was the last thing in the world I wanted to do was go into a diabetic place where I had to you know, start taking medication and doing all that stuff. And I realized that I, I could have something to do with it. But I had to get my God time. And church, this is what it took. It took for me to realize some of these things from Scripture and to make a lifestyle orientation change. Because whether you know it or all, all of us, you are living in your lifestyle. And whether you've chosen that lifestyle or not chosen that lifestyle, you need to know that you're in that lifestyle because of what you've allowed to happen, what you've allowed to go on, what you've chosen. And church, that lifestyle is overly consuming. It is overwhelming it is never ending it is constantly going continually demanding it's always there and it always wants from us and it's always there sucking life from us and the myth that we believe is that that you know what this season's gonna get better and it'll be different in this next season no it won't No, it won't. It's a myth. Because church, what you believe is what is forming your lifestyle. Worship team, come on back up, would you please? So for me, it was years of just go, 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 until I got to this place where inside I felt broken. I, I I felt completely empty. I, I, I would cry out to God on Sunday morning. Lord, forgive me. I haven't taken the time to fill my bucket this week, and here I am going into Sunday, Lord, and I'm empty. I have nothing to give these people that you love. And coming into this place where, God, if you don't show up, this place is... I don't know, God, what to do because I've got nothing in me to give. And praise God that he loves you more than he wants to <laughs> discipline me. Because whatever you get is because of him, not certainly because of me. Because I was just going through the motions of life. I was just trying to make it. And you know what I would have told you? I would have told you, but I did it for Jesus. No, I didn't. I did it for me. I did it for my pride. I did it because I could. I I did it because I wanted a pat on the back. I did it because I was selfish. I did it because I was arrogant. I did it proudly, Church, I, I have to make changes in my life. I'm in the process of making some of these changes. And I'll tell you what, I do think right now, I get more done than I used to. And you, you may not feel like it, but I do. And I can tell you this, I sleep better every night, or almost every night. My health is better. Doctors doctor gave me a completely wonderful, Everything was great. Amen. Praise God for that. But church, that's because I had to, for my sake of my life, for the sake of the ministry and for your sake, I had to make some changes in my life to find some times of silence and some times of solitude. I realized that, that I, I got so busy working in my life that I neglected the time to work on my life. And therefore, when it came time to pull back, I had nothing to, had nothing to pull back to, and then I had nothing to give out of. But we need to do this. We need to stop. We need to have these times where we can pull back and say, God, where am I? Jesus, where are we together? What are we doing here? What's happening in me? Where are we going? How am I doing God, fill me up. And listen, oh, I tried that and I didn't hear anything. You, listen, you go, when you go to alone time with God, realize you're probably not gonna hear a voice from God speaking, downloading things into your life. I don't get that. I just find that over the course of time, God just gives me and I have here what I need. And God brings a word in a moment. And usually it's not in that time. When I go to spend time in that time of refreshing and solitude and rest, I do that by faith. Not to, listen, I don't go because I, it's like, okay, God, I'm doing this. Now I demand you give me a word. Jesus went to spend time with the Father. That's all I'm doing. If you don't want to talk to me right now, hey, praise God, your presence is enough for me. And that's what we do, we pull back. And we pull back for this purpose so that I can be filled up to re-engage life and re-engage my ministry. So it's God working, us allowing God to work in our lives so that we can work on our lives, so that God can pour himself through our lives and then we can back up and take the moment like Jesus did in solitude, spending time with him so that God can clear our head, so that God can fill our spirit, our bucket can be refilled. Because Christianity Church, Christianity is a belief system. that is our lifestyle. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll minister to those today that are hurting, to those today, Lord, that are feeling that place of emptiness, to those that have, Father, been able to relate to what it is we're talking about here. God, I pray that you would minister by your spirit the great love you have for each one, for each and every one, no matter where we are, no matter what it is. God, you desire to do a work in our house, a work in our lives, a work through us, Lord. I am, and let's declare it today, church, in your spirit, I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has a purpose and a plan for me. And I'm sick and tired of chasing after my potential. I am going to chase after my purpose. God, you're the one who purposes me. For those who are empty and feeling broken, to those who are caught up in that time right now, Lord, of, of depression and emptiness, I pray that you would fill them up. In fact, I pray, Lord, today that you would minister to them. Minister, Lord, in your grace, in your grace. maybe today you are emptied out. I I know I've gone long and and so that doesn't lend to an altar call. But I'm going to do it anyway. You're feeling empty today? We want to pray with you. We want to come around you and we want to bless you, encourage you. The body of Christ needs to be filled up. God wants to do that. And if you can relate, if that's you today, I'm going to ask you when we stand to worship, just come on up forward and we would just love to gather around you and to love on you and to pray with you and just let you know you're not alone in this, you're not alone you're not alone maybe you've isolated yourself you're not alone you need to make a decision like me that I need to add some rhythms of silence to my life, I'm going to make a commitment today that you step out come forward, let's just agree together it's family Family. Come on, let's stand together, will you please, church? And if you need that today, if that's God's calling, if He's speaking to your heart, come on up and let's just pray together right now. Let's sing this song. Come
1: on, sing it out.
0: Father's Day Today go be the church. Come on, let's sing this as we go.
1: As for me and my house, we will serve.